Hello and welcome. Bienvenido. Hello. And assalamu alaikum. Welcome to AO Access to Success, the podcast series developed by the AO Access Task Forces to broaden your perspectives for personal and professional development. Today's podcast is hosted by Pedro Horba, member of the AO Access Faculty and Leader Development Task Force. Hello, my name is Pedro Horba. I am a pediatric orthopedic surgeon, and I'm a member of the AO Access Faculty and Leader Development Task Force. With me today, I have Anafer Anton. Anafer is an orthopedic surgeon in Mexico City in the Spanish hospital. She's a creator of OrthoWomen and a board member of Women in Orthopedics Worldwide. I'm very excited to be speaking to her today, and we'll be talking about the disproportionate representation in orthopedic surgery, particularly looking at gender as one of the diversity dimensions. We talked a lot about this in the unconscious bias episode. We have to keep in mind that patients are themselves diverse, and a lot has already been written on the huge treatment and outcome disparities that are related to gender, race, age, and even economic bias. Therefore, having a diverse workforce in medicine will also prevent our patients from feeling alienated from their doctors and prevent them from suffering discrimination. The importance of representation must be spoken of from the inequalities that connect us. Spaces should always be open and accessible to all, and leadership positions should be filled with women and people from underrepresented groups. Yet they're not. Why is this? The prototype of an orthopedic surgeon is a white, dominant, strong male. And it would seem that everything that falls out of that prototype has no room within the practice of orthopedic surgery and is therefore denied participation, whether this is because of race, sex, sexual orientation, language, religion, nationality, or social origin. So, Anna Fer, why is this an issue for women who look to enter this specialty? Hi, Pedro. Thank you so much for having me here today. Uh, I am very excited to be with you and talk about this. So, yeah, as a woman in medicine, when, when one decides to go into a surgical specialty, and especially a male-dominated surgical specialty such as orthopedics, it will be fairly common to hear comments from your peers such as, you know, you're just not fit to be an orthopedic surgeon, or you don't really look like an orthopedic surgeon, or you're just not strong enough for that. And for some women, as they keep on moving through their medical training and clinical rotations, it will become harder and harder to ignore these comments, especially when they go to orthopedics and they don't really see any other residents or attendings that look like them. And they might even start to worry about even why more women aren't choosing this specialty and wonder if those things are actually true. I myself didn't get to meet any women in orthopedics, before I went into residency. And this is why representation is so important. And I can't stress enough that if there's something that I want our listeners to remember, it's that association guarantees our rights and improves inclusion and diversity within orthopedics. So Fair, can you share with the listeners how this affects the field of orthopedic surgery? What are some of the numbers? In 2021, women already constituted more than 50% of medical graduates in both the USA and the UK. However, women were only the 6 to 7% of their board-certified orthopedic surgeons. And this proportion really stands true to most countries. In Mexico, for example, 
women are also more than 50% of our current medical graduates. And according to the data recovered by Women in Orthopedics Worldwide, or WOW, the world's mean of female orthopedic surgeons is currently around 8.3%. So if women already make up more than half of the medical graduates in most countries, why is it that the number of female orthopedic surgeons is still so, so very low? So some of the main reasons that have been reported for why women are not choosing orthopedics are, for example, a male-dominated work culture, gender discrimination, having suffered abuse or microaggressions by residents or attendings, a lack of exposure during medical school, and the idea that strength is required. Another of the reasons that have been reported is the lack of mentorship or of female role models and stereotypes and prejudice. Okay, this is all extremely interesting. Can you elaborate? What is going on with women in ortho? What's the experience like? Well, first, we really need to ask ourselves, is it really the same to be a woman in orthopedics than a man? Is it even the same to be a woman in medicine than a man? In the U.S., it's been reported that 68% of female orthopedic surgeons have been victims of sexual harassment during residency training. And this is according to a level two article in the clinical orthopedic related research. And one might think, you know, well, the work culture used to be really tough before. Uh, but the thing is that this study also found that there were no statistically significant differences in the percentage of women who are currently in residency and those who graduated decades before. In another article published in the journal of the AAOS, they also reported that 85% of women in orthopedics in the U.S have experienced some type of discrimination or harassment, and 54% of them have experienced sexual harassment. And I share these numbers not because it only happens in the US, because it obviously doesn't, but because most countries don't even speak about this enough for it to be reported and published. Why, why do you think this is? Why is it that no one reports these cases? Is there some systemic difficulty in doing the reporting? Uh, definitely. Well. We have to consider that all of these women work in a male-dominated culture where, you know, locker room talk is engaged in openly in front of them. And this will inevitably leave them feeling as if they have no allies and no one to talk to, or that no one will support them in case they choose to report suffering sexual harassment. And another huge problem that we have is the reluctance to not call things by their name, you know, like sexual harassment, discrimination, sexism, racism. So it's already been proven that women tend to reject identifying these experiences as sexual harassment. And this is because people tend to dissociate after a traumatic experience. However, it's also been reported that not being able to identify the experience as abuse really has no benefit over the effects suffered by the experience, meaning that these women will experience the exact same emotional and psychological consequences as the woman who was able to identify and name the experience as abuse. The only difference being that the woman who identified and named the experience will be able to develop tools in order to deal with the abuse. So these numbers are shocking, Fer. I think we, we are all surprised and shocked and outraged by these numbers. And it's also extremely worrying the way that even if the victim will not identify this as abuse, the 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 harm done by this by this experience is still there so of course dealing with this is extremely important why are communities like women's associations so important in this case 
Well, because discrimination and inequality are not always conscious, and stereotypes and prejudice are not harmless. The almost simultaneous creation of so many women in ortho associations around the world is no coincidence. They are the result of this lack of a safe space, of this common need to talk about the problems that affect us directly, and the need for change. This need to create a space where we can all connect, contribute, and participate in a conversation, this, this is the reason that I created Ortho Women. I wanted to build a virtual community that would represent and promote women in orthopedics to protect and guarantee their human rights within our specialty. And it wasn't long before women from all over Latin America joined in. Almost immediately, we realized that we all shared the same stories and the same barriers. And shortly after that, Women in Orthopedics Worldwide, or WOW, was created, which is a collective of all of the women organizations around the world. It allowed us to connect with each other and see that all of these experiences that had made us feel so alone for so long were not only incredibly common, but worldwide problems. Forming a community is essential towards the discussion and protection of minority rights. And as long as women are only 8.3% of orthopedic surgeons, we will continue to be a minority and therefore are at risk of suffering discrimination and the violation of our rights. And this is why all of these women in ortho organizations are born. And this is why other communities of other minorities like black women in orthopedic or LGBTQI members, they have also created their own communities. And this is really, really important. One of the goals of AO Access is precisely to encourage underrepresented minorities to speak up and join these kind of organizations to be able to create change in our community. So what is the next step we have to take for orthopedics to become a more inclusive specialty? What can we do? Well, social studies have determined that the threshold for breaking the diversity barrier is 30%. This is a critical point at which an unrepresented minority will become incorporated into the culture of an institution. And it's also known as the Rooney-Mansfield Law. So, Right now, the only country in the world to have surpassed the 30% threshold so far is Gambia. And this is due to the fact that their country has only three orthopedic surgeons, of which only one of them is a woman. So this is very frustrating also because there's an article in the Iowa Orthopedic Journal that states that at this rate, in the USA alone, this 30% will be achieved until 2072. And that's just the US let alone any lower income countries. So I think that this makes it pretty clear that we can no longer sit back and wait for that 30% to happen. We really, really need hands-on action. So in order to increase the percentage of women in orthopedics, we, we really need to help women in orthopedics find each other, provide a longitudinal strategic mentoring, as well as having more female mentors, and generate a cultural change. Because Women and everyone, we have the right to feel safe and belonging in our workplace. We, we have accepted the status quo as being normal or just being something that we have to tolerate on a daily basis, but that has deep implications and consequences. And the reality is that human rights are being violated every day in hospitals all over the world. You know, the right to equality, the right to fair labor practices, the right to security recognition, the right to equal pay for equal work, or even the right to privacy. And this is happening constantly and no one is talking about it because we feel that it's not our place to call these things out. 
But the reality is that there should be a zero tolerance policy for discrimination and harassment. And this requires active bystander training or formal instruction on how to be a good ally. Understanding how we're educating our residents and how their differences can affect this disparity is incredibly important because we, we can no longer do this alone. I think what you're saying is extremely important. We all have some degree in privilege, and we should always recognize it and try to enact change with the power we do have. I have done my best to use my own positions of authority to improve the experience of underrepresented groups in orthopedics, both professionally and through AO access. The mentorship program we offer gives equal access to mentoring in a non-biased, transparent process. And this allows the people who don't have the opportunity to have good mentors and thus improve their experience. Allyship is highlighted in the program, and this gives us all the chance to acquire the knowledge and tools to become active allies and bring about change. I think this is all incredibly important, and I wish these programs had existed when I was in residency. I think these programs are of great help, particularly for, for minority groups who might be alone during residency and struggle to find a mentor in their hospital and having the possibility to find a mentor somewhere else, even if it's in another part of the world and connecting with this person and having this guide throughout your medical residency, I think it's of great help. It's up to everyone to speak up against inequality and against unjust treatment. And it's even more our responsibility to speak up if we're in a position of privilege, power, or specifically leadership. We must raise our voice when these crimes happen every day before our eyes. And it's our responsibility as orthopedic surgeons to ask ourselves, what can I do to improve my reality and that of those behind me? We must first identify our own privilege and how it has helped us to get to where we are now. And we must understand that it's not the same to be a male orthopedic surgeon than a female orthopedic surgeon. But we must also understand that it's not the same to be a white female orthopedic surgeon than a black one, or one who lives in a higher income country than a lower income country. Those facets, they overlap, they intersect. Gender identity, class, ethnicity, sexual orientation, disability, and nationality. Just reminding ourselves that within a minority, there are even more minorities. And recognizing that with intersectionality, there are many women who have overcome different barriers, and all of them deserve to have their voice heard. Understanding and recognizing this is very important to improving diversity, equity, and inclusion, both among our colleagues and our patients. And associating guarantees our rights and improves inclusion within orthopedics. But all of these women organizations have begun to ignite change. And in order for this to work, they have to be created by all women and for all women. Anafer, thank you so very much for this talk. Your passion is fighting for representation and equality among women and underrepresented groups is so very important. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me here today, Pedro. Thank you for listening to the AO Access to Success podcast series. Be sure to visit our webpage to facilitate your personal and professional development by exploring dimensions of leadership at AO Foundation. 
who we are about AO, AO access. To join the conversation.